Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to the Atlanta sports guys who have indeed reconvened. Everyone is back. We're full go here on this Friday afternoon. Max Markovich, after uh, being away for a bit, just the world traveler that is Max Markovich. Max, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I, I regrouped in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, I shut off all connection to football and like intentionally, willfully kept to the Michigan score from my knowledge until I could watch it. It was really difficult, um, mm. but we're back. We're full go. We're really optimistic about the Falcons. We'll get to that. Um, excited. Are you still optimistic about Michigan, though? There are concerns to be worked through, <laughs> um, but yes, yes, I am. I'm still optimistic about Michigan. All right. Uh, interesting. I mean, we're right there. All of our teams right there in the top six, top seven in uh, the nation. Also here, Garrett Chapman of 99 The Game, a dopey millennial, self-proclaimed dopey millennial. Garrett, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Another busy day. Mm -hmm. Got college football tomorrow. Got high school football tonight. Got Falcons. And then Braves all weekend, too. And then the Hawks are seemingly already back. So (laughs) shortest offseason in sports. Well, we got uh, someone said, like, I. this is how out of it I've been with, like, the Hawks to this point, where I saw the Japan games and watching some high, James Wiseman lobs this morning where I was like, oh, the NBA is back, too. And that's interesting. And, oh, God, I'm an absolute sicko for thinking about how James <laughs> Wiseman worked for the Warriors this year. But also, I saw that, like, Jalen uh, Johnson and uh, insert a random player who will not be playing in this uh, Hawks rotation Forrest, uh, as I believe something, his name's something Forrest, uh, have not gotten clarity on his full name. Uh, do you guys know who I'm talking about? There is a, is it a Trenton Forrest? Is it a, um, I forgot this guy's name. He is on the roster. Chase Thompson's we'll... down bad if he's looking at these guys. Well, <laughs> did you know, like they're just going at Abu Dhabi very soon. Abu Dhabi? Yeah. And yeah. I didn't know that that was a thing. I just completely. 17 hour flight. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, Trent Forrest is his name, by the way. way. I would do that in a heartbeat. Abu Dhabi, would you actually? 100%. Mm. No question. I'm I'm also somebody who wants to go anywhere. I'll go anywhere and everywhere. Anywhere? Especially for a basketball game? Hell yeah. You're just like North Korea. It's lovely this time. I'd go to North Korea, yeah. (laughs) If they let him. If they let me in, I'd go. Would you really? Let you you out. Letting you out is the key. I I cannot stress that enough. Yeah, that's probably what is the most happening? Important part. No, I'd go anywhere in the world. I'd, I would be happy to go anywhere. Maybe that's, that's Somalia. I think that's where Antarctica. I draw the line at Somalia. Too cold. Antarctica can't do it. I'd go to Antarctica, hundred percent. Interesting. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I'm getting dragged around. My wife. Uh, speaking up. I don't know if I've seen Max since uh, the the wedding, but uh, drop, drop the hard W there. I did the hard <laughs> W. Um, where she's a world traveler, so. I will be going out of the country yearly uh, with this woman, and we'll see all the different places. So I will be vaxxed out to the max wherever we're going. It's just like, give me whatever. Like, how many injections do you need? I am, yeah, just vax me up, whatever it is. Because I I had a friend who went somewhere in South America not too long ago, and just they were outlining all the different (laughs) vaccines you had to get. And I was like, man, okay, this is uh, a thing. Yeah, I came back from, I went to Peru like mm-hmm. many years ago, a couple years ago now, but 
I came back, got a little uh, little dose of Montezuma's Revenge. Brush mm. my teeth with the water. Ugh. Don't do that. Yeah. Just don't do that. It was an accident. It was like at five o'clock in the morning. I was about to go. We were about to leave, and I just brushed my teeth really quickly, and it was just it. It, it was awful. Don't what happened? Do that. I lost about fifteen pounds. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was over the course of like three weeks, two and a half, three weeks. I lost about fifteen pounds. It was bad. Just from brushing your teeth. I with brushed the water. my teeth with the water, and yeah. So there's like some bacteria or something in the water, and I got very sick. It was not great. Wow. I had to go get fluids and stuff every now and then, and it was just it was really bad. Man. Yeah. That's. Uh... <laughs> so don't do that. Visit Peru.com. Uh... And it's beautiful. <laughs> I'd definitely go back in heartbeat too. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> the funny thing. <laughs> when it, who just needs won't to brush cl- my teeth? Who needs a cleanse? Who needs yeah. any? Who needs a Peloton when you can just go to Peru? Just uh, get, just order a, a bottle of water from Peru and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. The the cl- cleanse the old fashioned way. Um, <laughs> so I was the only person uh, in the sports bar watching uh, the Falcons and the Seahawks on Sunday afternoon, uh, with my foot propped up and just really really propped it like it was a it was a good spot i had not done this since last year because living in east tennessee for whatever reason we don't get the falcons very often so i'm like i play i pay for league pass i pay for mlb tv most nfl games i can get and i don't feel like sunday ticket is worth it like that's the one i don't do year over year and i have to like organize i'm like all right i'm going here and i call them ahead of time i'm like hey i'm coming in uh i'll i'll be this weird guy eating some uh buffalo shrimp and uh taking notes on this yellow piece of paper uh no funny business and that is uh it's a beautiful time it's a beautiful couple hours to spend your time but i look around i'm like there's not a lot of falcons people in east tennessee and i thought there would be more uh when i moved up here years ago now but um, a lot of Titans, a lot of Bills, a lot of Chiefs, a lot of Packers, and uh, I'm over here just in my space and like guarding my TV and just really enjoying the whole endeavor where I, uh, I did, did not emote a lot. And that was something that I, the first two weeks, I emoted a lot for the Rams and Saints finishes and what happened there. Very upset in the second half in both regards. This game was just, it was apparent to me that the Falcons were going to let Geno Smith do whatever he wanted to do, that the Seahawks were going to do whatever they wanted to do, and the Falcons were going to do whatever they wanted to do, and it might just be who gets the ball last, where I'm just jotting down my notes, and I'm like, oh, Cordero, another big run. Oh, Drake London wide open. Oh, Kyle Pitts wide open on a wheel route. Oh, another touchdown. And then, oh, Geno over the middle. Oh, they're trying Casey Hayward again. Oh, they're trying Casey Hayward again. Oh, they're trying Casey Hayward again. They figured it out. And that was that. And then the game really just came down to Grady Jarrett just being like, all right, I'm ending this uh, because I am the best player on this defense. And then Richie Grant with the interception, Garrett's dude. But um, the Falcons get their first win of the season. Max, when you look back at this game, what uh, jumped out to you? And uh, were you surprised at uh, how the the Falcons beat the Seahawks on Sunday? I would zooming out like my my takeaway from the first three games is pretty simple like the atlanta falcons have a coach like arthur smith is legit um i I feel like i'm the only one not the only one i I just feel like that's been like a realization of mine that like this guy can coach offense and like the fact that if you really step back and see what he's doing with this offense it's pretty damn incredible um i mean we're talking about drake london kyle pitts and then 
seven scrap heap guys, including the quarterback, and we're mm. and it's a top ten offense in the NFL comfortably in like basically every metric you want. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the Seattle game was actually all that different than the New Orleans game. Um, the 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 Rams game is a little different, but like the offense is really good. It's just straight up good, and I think it's really cool the way Arthur Smith has sort of adapted to the strengths and weaknesses that are there. Um, Marcus Mariota is, I, I think he's uh, running play action on 47% of his dropbacks, uh, which is like unheard of. Um, but that's what this team does well. That's what's going to, I think, I think there's been a narrative about the offensive line too, where it's like the offensive line is much improved. I don't think that's true. I think that Arthur Smith is putting them in better positions to not have that be a weakness on the team. Um, playing a lot of heavy personnel, running a lot of play action, and playing to the strength of this team. And you just see how it's going to work once there are actual players in there. Um, and that's all I wanted to see from this year. I wanted to come out of this year and say, Kyle Pitt's a dude, Drake London's a dude, and we have a coach. And I, I don't see how you can watch the first three games and think otherwise. Garrett, what do you think? I, I completely agree. <laughs> Across the board. No, Arthur Smith has been... The, the most valuable player for this team. I mean, the, he has put this offense in position to succeed. I'm not going to restate everything that Max just said because he just hit the nail on the head. Like, it's it's the fact that it's it's a, an offense that's greater than the sum of its parts. And, I mean, what he's been able to do with Marcus Marietta, which Marcus Marietta has been fine. Like, I'm not going to go out and say he's been like some, like he's rekindling the magic of what he did at Oregon or anything. Uh, and he's like finally like realizing that potential. No, I'm not really saying that. But he's been efficient. And he's in position to succeed. Is like he's he's able to roll out of the pocket, be mobile, use his legs effectively, and take what the defense is giving him and just easy chunk play or easy chunk plays. Um, Cordell Patterson's been a revelation. I, I mean, he's been fantastic. Uh, but I'm, I'm gonna look more at the defense. It's more the fact that they allowed Geno Smith to pretty much do what he wanted between the twenties. But then once they got in in the red they, they, they held true they, they held strong for the most part it was a bend but don't break and considering the amount of talent that this defense has i'm fine with that like if you're able to do that they were able to do that with with uh with la in week two to some extent after obviously they dropped 28 points um <laughs> so outside of that outside of that part where the, that part wasn't very pretty but i mean they did new orleans outside of the fact that they just melted down in the fourth quarter but they finally put it all together for the most part against the Seahawks, and and I think that was a good thing. I, they got the work cut out for them this week because I mean, if you're allowing what five yards per carry to Rashad Penny, what the hell are you going to do against Nick Chubb? So it's going to be a very different type of test this week. A much better offense, even though I mean, Jacoby Brissett is not Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's not really, but he's he can still burn you. He, he did it last week against the Steelers, or at least he did just enough. I mean, but he threw for 250 yards and two tutties. So. Uh, he could do what he needs to do, and then when they put the ball in Nick Chubb's hand, anything can happen with him. So it, it's a different test for this defense, but they're getting after the quarterback. A.J. Terrell played better last week, and I was I was happy to see that. Casey Hayward's been up and down, but he's, he's, he has the interception. Richie Grant's looking better, um, but mostly that pass rush. Grady Jarrett's a stud, man. I love Grady Jarrett, man. He's He is just such a revelation for this defense. He's unbelievable. I love that guy. Well, there should have been a couple picks in this one, too, because Rashawn Evans dropped one, mm -hmm. uh, maybe two. Did Rashawn Evans drop two picks in this game? Uh, Richie Grant dropped, like, two or three. Yeah. Gino, yeah it was the, enough to be like, okay, come on, Richie, let's go. 
Right, and AJ Terrell, I mean, I, he didn't go for the picks. He was just going for the deflections when he was Which matched I, up with DK with. a lot. Yes, yeah. so he was good. I think AJ was good, especially with the matchup. Like, DK is kind of, I think, slept on, and, like, obviously the size differential <laughs> between those two is massive. Um, but they were like, oh, lock it on Casey Hayward? Uh, yeah, this is this is something that we like a lot, and they were, they were pinpointing, and they were targeting Casey Hayward, who... You said up and down. I don't know. I think Casey Hayward's just quite bad. Um, I, I don't know when the I mean, Georgia State hard. Fair I mean, he's, is here. He's not been. He hasn't been super great. I mean, but he's a veteran player. You know what you're going to get from him. He he has the pick against Matthew Stafford. Um, I mean, he's, he's might been be, awesome. But it might be hitting a uh, hitting a downhill on that career. But yeah, I, I do think like I think the defense is not good, um, mm-hmm. and we should we should say that flat. But sure. they're playing exactly how you'd want them to play given the talent mm-hmm. level. It's an opportunistic defense, um, and and like they're forcing turnovers and they're blitzing a lot because they can't get pressure with four, and that's fine. Um, and they have a few playmakers who are going to make like Grady Jarrett is going to make three to five big plays every single game. Um, and AJ Terrell, I think, quelled a lot of any any fears you had about him sort of getting uh, bossed by uh, by Michael Thomas in Week One. I, I'm not worried about AJ Terrell in any capacity, but like. I don't have exp- I don't like there's no real like there's nothing the defense is going to do that's going to make me change my opinion that much on like long term offensively like that's what I wanted to see this year is like is are there signs that like long term this is going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL when they get the players in and I I just I think we're seeing that and so mm-hmm. I'm not even that interested in the defense because I know it's not going to be very good and I don't I don't think this week sets up very well maybe we can talk about that but like offensively, like that's that's you can simulate the defensive possessions to me. Like I just want to keep seeing this offense because it's pretty awesome. Well, the best offense, or the best defense, is a good offense, especially for this team. And especially an that, offense that can run the ball. Especially an offense that has Cordero Patterson, who has three hundred rushing yards on the season, and was the offensive player of the week last week. So you're able to do that against Cleveland, then you're going to be in the football game. And, and hell, if you're going to be if you're going to run for 150 yards with one guy, you're going to be in just about every football game you play. So, or at least you should be. You should be. But Arthur Smith has been a revelation. He is he gets a little snippy with the media and it gets a little annoying, especially when you blow a 16-point lead in week 1 and then you get snippy with the media afterwards. You don't really have that right to do that, but who can coach some football? So I'll live with that. If 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 I have, if we have to live with him being snippy with the media to do what he's doing right now with his offense, I'll take it. I also think it changes like it a little bit changes my long term outlook on the quarterback situation. Um, hmm. Because I think we have evidence now that this can under Arthur Smith, this can be a good offense without like an elite elite quarterback. And so I I feel like if it comes down to it, and you're not completely sold on. Let's say you have the option of, you know, Andrew, uh, Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever you want, Will Levis, Levis uh, and Will Anderson. Like, I don't think that they're going to be in a position this offseason where they need to take the quarterback. Um, and, and I think that that's a really good position to be in. Like, I, I think you're just adding talent still. And this defense needs a ton of talent. But the offense is not far off. And... Like I, I can see this team being like a, a fringe wild card team next year. Like I can see how that happens. I, I see it in sort of the Lions trajectory and like that is it's pretty clear to me. 
Well, I mean, the NFC South is also not very good next year either, especially bad next year. Yeah. I'm assuming Tom Brady is not coming back. I don't know what Tampa is going to do. Especially not the Tampa, yeah. Yeah, So, and then New Orleans just looks terrible New Orleans right a now. Waste. That team is bad. It's not a good football team right now, and Carolina is much worse. So They're going to fire a rule, yeah. Look, at the end of the day, it's like you add a little bit more talent. You have $60 million to spend next year. No, screw a wild card. This team could win the NFC South next year. Just, I mean, I'm, not, just, I'm just saying it could. I'm not completely just like like throwing that out as crazy. That's also a year away. So right, like, right. But like so, they're going so to, much football left. They're going to be aggressive in spending in this offseason. Um, and I think like you kind of want to build around the the um, the timeline of a young quarterback if you're going to bring one in. Um, but you can also build before and like build up an infrastructure and then have that infrastructure in place ready to go once you get the young quarterback in. Like there's no I don't think there's like a really bad outcome for what this offseason is going to be if you have the right infrastructure in place, which I think also we didn't, we haven't talked about this, but uh Terry Fonda's drafts are looking a little bit better than uh than I think the first one went. Let's just say that. Hmm. Um you know, I think Richie Grant is as a player. I think he's going to be a starter here long term. I think Drew Dahlman might be a starter here long term. I think Arnold Vecchetti's shown you enough to believe he's here. I think Drake London is a, a clear hit already. Uh, Kyle Pitts is Kyle Pitts. Troy Anderson's um, been pretty solid too. Yeah, and and I think I was that was what I was worried about. I was I was a little worried after that first draft. You know, the Jalen Mayfield and how's Richie Grant look and. I think there is pretty clear evidence now, and, and with the way that this they've clearly shown to evaluate cheap talent, um, Cordero Patterson being the, the prime example, um, I think that they've given us enough to believe in this GM-coach duo for the long term. I think it's still going to come down to, I mean, the NFC South, like you guys said, I think the Saints are headed towards a, a rebuild, whether they will want to or not. Um, I think they're kind of being pushed in that way. The Panthers are definitely in that zone where they're rebuilding uh, with the new coach and where they're going. But the Bucks, I would still like even if Brady's not a Buck next year, like I'm just gonna go ahead and assume they're gonna get some other big name quarterback to just take the place because this is a win now roster, and I would assume an unhappy veteran um, that might want to go elsewhere uh, from a team that just blew it up or something like that. Then that's just that's an option, and that's a very, uh, very good option because the defense has carried Tampa through three weeks, and it, the offense hasn't really been good at all. They're like having to uh, bring in Cole Beasley <laughs> to get important reps because Julio Jones, uh, not healthy. Uh, who would have thought in 2022 that was going to be a risky proposition to count on Julio? Who look maybe the second best Falcon of all time, but it's just the re- it's just over. Uh, the reliability with him is is gone. Um, Russell Gates though was targeted a bunch. Miss Russell Gage in this offense, I will say. Um, but the elephant in the room is like Marcus Mariota, where he had a another bad fumble on an RPO uh, in this game, where he held it and then dropped it, and that could have been a rough one. He had the pick at the end of the first half that Arthur Smith took responsibility for uh, with just the play call, and he's like, I I got a little too uh, I forgot the way he a little too cute or something. Too cute, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which like but, is a funny way of saying that they need to protect themselves from their quarterback mm-hmm. a little bit, you know? Yes. And the weird thing about Mariota, which I think has been the most pleasant surprise about him, 
is that he goes downfield and he has not been afraid to take deep shots. And I mean, the first play of the game and you'll never convince me otherwise was a shot at uh, Falcons media. Like there is oh, no doubt 100%. in my mind. You call Kyle Pitts on just a seam route straight up the field. Like that, like there's no doubt that whole first drive. I, I, I don't have that sheet in front of me, but it was just like four targets for Kyle Pitts. And you're telling me that that was not uh, <laughs> you just love the matchup this week. Like, come on, man. Like that is absolutely like, hey, Kyle's not feeling great about the current workload that you're giving him. Um, but also Kyle Pitts wheel route should be on every single drive. Like a Kyle Pitts wheel route should be included. I don't care what the context is. If you put a linebacker on Kyle Pitts out of the backfield, he is going to get open. And well, Chase, just do you throw- remember the do you remember the outcome of that first drive, by the way, where they target him as many that many mm-hmm. times? Yeah. They, they scored a touchdown. Right. That was nice. <laughs> that was nice. I, I also I think, mean, like, I, I, first of all, I'm not fully on the, like, I, I, the way that the, the media talks about the Kyle Pitts-Arthur Smith offense is so weird to me because, like, mm. the offense is so much better than anyone predicted. And so, like, if the outcome of the offense is really good, why are you like nit? Because it's because of fantasy football, first of all. Well, but like, no, I, it, it's, I, I it's get, I get like usage. Like, you want to be using Kyle Pitts because obvious reasons. I get that in like the macro sense. But like, why, why are we making Arthur Smith out to be some idiot? Like, because he, you know, there were a couple games where Kyle's, or Kyle Pitts had lower targets. If the offense is overperforming expectation, like, I don't. It's it's just kind of a dumb way to look at it, but well, it's, it's just because they lost. That's it. I mean, so they're the point. But they didn't lose because of the offense. Lost. Like, no, I, I wouldn't say they necessarily did. But it's like if you t- target your best player, then I think that that would help a little bit. I mean, that's just where yeah. the minds went, and it's just as much the, that they just asked him, "Hey, what are?" It was an an innocuous question that sp- spurred all of this. It was a. Yeah. It was not like a targeted thing. It was the fact that someone's like, "Hey, yeah, you didn't really target." Kyle Pitts today was like, what was up with that? And then he, and he hates that out. stuff. He and hates he that stuff. Freaked out, and then so it's like, all right, cool. This is now you've now created a talking point. He did it himself. It wasn't the media. <laughs> they asked him an innocuous question, and he freaked out. So he does. He does love to do that. He loves. But like, that. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. It's like fantasy football. It's like okay, dude. <laughs> and it's like you said, the macro sense is I think the bigger issue where it's like, okay, we get the offense is good without Kyle Pitts being targeted a plethora of them times but it's if you go through the top 10 tight ends uh pff grades um they're all like the usual suspects right and those teams are all good the the niners the chiefs the eagles you go up and down the list they are prioritizing this um unique swiss army knife like it's just one of those things where if you draft this player at this point you better be using him and it's not like like you said the offense has been the problem but like the first half against los angeles was not great it wasn't like the offense was cooking with fire there in the first half and it wasn't like the offense was great in the second half against the saints like there are drives i mean we saw that a little bit in the second half against the seahawks with the the offense was not the same and drake london did a lot to kind of bail this team out um in the second half and cordero with some big runs uh that just kind of uh changed the game a little bit but i don't know i think it's going to be interesting to see with Mariota to um, Garrett is just that like when you look at what you've seen from him through three weeks, is it thumbs up, thumbs down for the full season if he's healthy or have you seen just enough where it's like, I think we can just put Ritter in and just be just as fine and no. just see what we have there. I don't know. 
no, no, no. Ritter, Ritter's not going to be the guy yet. I mean, I, I have not seen any reason. This isn't this isn't like Trubisky in Pittsburgh. Like, I, mm. I feel completely different than I would about what I would end up there. Ritter is not ready. If he was ready, he'd be playing. Um, I feel very strongly about that part specifically. But the other thing is Marcus Mariota has been good. Like, that, that's the thing. Like, he's he's shown us that he's the guy, not necessarily that number two overall pick, but he has a talent. He's very talented. He, he's fast, he's efficient with the football, and he's accurate. It's just that every now and then he makes these boneheaded mistakes, and I think some of that, I think some of that had a lot to do with the fact that he just hadn't started at the quarterback position for two years, two mm-hmm. and a half years, really. I mean, that has a lot to do with it. Like week one when he had that fumble against the Saints, I think that if he has more experience, like under center, like recent experience. He doesn't fumble that football because he fumbled it specifically because he didn't know where the down and distance was. You got to do that. It's a veteran quarterback. You cannot make a mistake like that. You just can't. The other mistake he made is he saw the exact play that he wanted, uh, the exact formation that he wanted out of the Saints defense, and he got too excited and he dropped the football. You can't do that as a veteran. But a lot of those things I'm just going to attribute to the fact that he hadn't played in a while, and it's just experience. And he has more than made up for that. With the fact that this Falcons offense, like Max has said numerous times, it's far better than expected. And it's playing a lot better, a lot greater than the sum of its parts, which I've said about the defense too. I mean, it's like they're playing better than expected. And I think a lot of that has to do with Marcus Marietta. What do you think, Max? Yeah, I think um, everything Garrett said I agree with. And I also think like planning out, I've seen people sort of trying to plan out like, well, if things go like this, when does Ritter get a chance? And, like, you have to know what Ritter is before the end of the year and, like, all this sort of – and, and I, I get all that, and we've talked about all that, but I also don't think you need to know the answer to that question in week four. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, my prediction has continues to be and has always been that Marcus Mariota is going to get hurt at some point, um, and that might answer your question for you. I mean, just by the nature of how he's playing, um, his, lack of, his lack of reps over the last few years, and just, like – his, his history um, leads you to believe that at some point he is more likely to get hurt than the average quarterback. And if that's the case, then yeah, we'll see Ritter. Otherwise we don't have to like really think about this until, you know, hmm. week eight, week nine, especially if, if they win more games than we thought, like if they go out there and they're, they're four and four or whatever in week eight, like you're not talking about like replacing the quarterback if he's playing like this. And so priority number one is to stay competitive and, and, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not really focused on wins and losses right now, but like they could easily be two and one, if not three and oh, right now. And if they were, this conversation would be drastically different. Like they would be at top of division and we'd be talking about could this be like the most improbable Falcons playoff run in our lifetimes? It's way, it's obviously, it's like kind of a moot point and I don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, they're probably going to fall off at some point and they're pretty thin. But I just think like not like, the Ritter conversation is not that interesting to me right now because because of the way the offense is playing. Because Marcus Mariota is playing good football too. It's like yeah, totally. He's he's doing what he needs to do. Like if, if he was going out there and making boneheaded mistakes after boneheaded mistake, and he the offense is sputtering and they're not able to get any drives going, which is that's just not happening. It's not happening. And as long as the offense is looking better and and being effective, it's like he may still not be the guy. Like this could still be a really good offense. But this could also be like an Alex Smith-led offense where it's like you're getting, you're seeing what you have, you're seeing the needs that you still have, you can address those needs, and then you plug and play with a quarterback, and you just explode. 
That's I mean there there are things that have like offenses that have done that before and it's worked great. I mean that's what the Cleveland Browns are expecting to happen later this season. It's like you go get that guy and then that's the last piece that you need. Sometimes it works. Some people start with the quarterback. Some people finish with the quarterback. But both can turn into Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. And, and I also think like you you need to evaluate Ritter. But you also need to evaluate Pitts. You also need to evaluate London. Yeah. You need to evaluate your offensive line. And if Mariota's the one, the one putting all those places, all those pieces in the best place to succeed, then that's a pure, that's a He's gotta be more valuable evaluation. Yeah. You know, that's fair. Um, Max, the biggest area of strength for this Falcons team that you've been surprised about through three weeks is who? I would say surprise. I mean, I know I said that Arthur Smith's putting the offensive line in good positions, but like, I don't think, I think they've been eminently competent uh, mm. in pass pro in a way that, like, I mean, it does make me think that a lot of what was holding back the offense last year was that uh, Matt Ryan wasn't a great fit at this point in his career for what Arthur Smith wanted to do in terms of getting the quarterback on the move and sort of protecting his offensive line. And so, I don't know how many answers the offensive line has given you, but I am surprised that it's not like a an Achilles heel of this offense. Um, I think like Cordero Patterson will never not surprise me. Um, mm. And I, 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 I mean, another one, I think Drake London, like being a legitimate wide receiver one immediately, having played basically no preseason um, and just looking awesome. Uh, I would say that 100% surprises me. Um, and I thought Drake London was going to be really good. I didn't think he was going to be this good this quick. What about you, Garrett? I love Drake London. I, I got really excited. So I remember doing a lot of the, the, the draft prep specifically for Drake London, and we had a lot of NFL guys come on, and like a lot of scouts, talking about how he was like a legitimate guy. And I remember at first, I remember telling myself, I was like, who is this guy? He can't remember 40, he's been injured, blah, 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 blah. And then I actually started like looking into a lot of his stuff. and like, The dude was a, a stud. And he has shown that he is the exact same guy that he was in college, just a super dynamic, incredible player. Um, but I guess the thing that surprised, I don't want to say it surprised, well, it surprised me. Uh, but if, if, like, before the season, if I told you that the Falcons were top half of the NFL in sacks, what would you say? I would be surprised. That's pretty surprising. They're top half of the NFL in sacks. So. <laughs> I think it's less sacks Check. for me. It'd be more like <laughs> pressure rate. I love it. I'll take pressure. How, less how many of those sacks, sacks came in the pressure, first right? half of the Saints game, though? I was I, thinking probably, that, too. Probably well, 75%. What, <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think they had, out before the Grady sack on Geno, that was the first sack of the game, right? They have Did seven we... team sacks. Yeah. How many so, of those came They're still the a little game? ways below like mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys, who have like double that. I but... care more about the pressure rate where Graham and Rush and company, when Grady can't get home, there's just nothing. Like Lorenzo Carter, I think, I, now that I remember, I think he had a sack in this game. Um, he's, but... trying, he's trying to fill a narrative here. It's fine. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to fill something. We have the same amount as the Cleveland Browns, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans, the LA Rams. I just need you to pull up pressure rate and like uh, that's I what know, I man. think it's a better I don't know what stat. The pressure rate is. Pressure rate is <laughs> a... Admittedly, I do not know what the pressure rate. I, it's more just the fact that they're getting home in a way that they were never able to get home. And at the end of the day, it's like a pressure is pretty awesome, and I love a pressure. And a pressure affects a play. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that the fact of the matter is, it's like if you if you you can't have eighteen team sacks like you did last year. 
Like Gino could just they're make already himself a nice little meal in the backfield on Sunday. He could just have a nice little uh, picnic uh, as he's stepping back to pass uh, for most of Sunday. I'm not falling to this narrative. Look, I am feeling good about where the Falcons are Get right on now. The train, Chase. I draw the line at the Falcons have a sneaky good pass rush. Uh, can't do it. No, I didn't say I didn't say anything about whether they were good or bad. Mm-hmm. I said that they were in the top half of the NFL in sack total. I, I just that's I, all I said. You drew the, you can draw whatever narrative you want to draw out of it. It's like the whole Aiden Hutchinson, like his three sack game a couple weeks ago, where if you look at his sacks, it's just wide open and he. Really... Oh, you look at the, yeah, it's like looking at the Vic whoa, Beasley sacks whoa, in 2016. Whoa, whoa, whoa. that's a drive by on Aiden Hutchinson. Come on, he's good. It's just important. <laughs> he hasn't been good. Aiden Hutchinson might just he be is bad. good. He no, my bad. God, what? I haven't watched him. I haven't watched any minute. I, not a minute of. of Aiden Hutchinson good at football. I think what oh, you do. I don't think it, he's 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 a good football player. But no, well, I think what you like always. Be, but it's like Vic Beasley had sixteen or fifteen yeah. and a half sacks in twenty sixteen and seventeen pressures. <laughs> I've always said this. that Vic Beasley and Aiden Hutchinson were one and the same when they were coming into the league. So I didn't compare Aiden Hutchinson to Vic. Be- I just said the pressure rate. What <laughs> have I got myself into here? I think it was also just like the question of do they actually want to be great. I think was the same when it came to Aiden and Vic. Um, just you had that question about whether or not they really wanted it. Um, the Braves. <laughs> He's just needling. <laughs> Man, that was tough. Uh, the Braves. Uh, they have a great big series. Max Free tonight versus DeGrom uh, in Atlanta. We were wondering if it was going to be in Atlanta a couple days ago and what the status was going to be. Uh, but thankfully... Um, there will not be any crazy hurricane damage uh, coming uh, Atlanta's way. Thoughts and prayers to the good folks over there in Fort Myers because it just got destroyed. Like it's just yeah. looking at the before and after photos are it's Sad. just it's just awful. Um, but the Braves are hosting the Mets basically for the division. Uh, winner take all. The loser gets the wild card game with the Padres, uh, most likely, where the Padres, uh, if y'all did not know, have a better record on the road than at home this season, which is not great. Uh, I don't want any part of the Padres in a wild card round, uh, if that's where the Braves fall. But if you win the division, not only do you win the division, you get a bye. And it is... It's just such a huge series, and it's just gonna. I'm already tensing up just thinking about uh, sitting through these games over the weekend. Uh, Garrett, when you look at Braves Mets this weekend, your eyes will be on what storyline? Ugh, nah, there are a lot. I mean, I mean, well, look. Ultimately, the Braves are in a bad situation. They're not good. I, I know they're playing at home, and I know that they play very well at home. They play good at night. They don't pl- play well during the day. They don't have to play during the day. That's nice. But we're also looking at a, at a series where they essentially need a sweep. Like they, they need a sweep because they need to be, I think it's like two, they have to be two games better than the Mets. Uh, and then the Mets are going to Washington to finish out their season. They're not losing any of those three games. I, I would be shocked if they lose any of those three games. Um, the Braves are going to the Marlins. I'd, be a little bit more surprised if, if um, well, I wouldn't say any more or less surprised. I mean, the Braves could lose a game to the Marlins, but the Marlins, because they have Sandy Alcantara who's pitching, that's the only reason that I could see them potentially losing one of those games. But, look, the point is the Braves need a sweep against the Mets, and <clears throat> the Mets have shown once or twice that they can get swept. I, I just, not with Scherzer and DeGrom pitching in back-to-back nights. And that's going to be extremely difficult. 
but look, I, I people have doubted the Braves before. I, I think that they can come out and get it done. I just it's the odds are so stacked against them this weekend, and just in, in terms of you're facing two of the best pitchers in baseball, um, and you're also down without one of your best pitchers, Spencer Strider. He's not going to be pitching. He's he's on the injured list until the the last game of the regular season. Um, which is a huge blow to this team. Uh, in general, like this team is slumping a little bit right now on offense. Austin Riley's not playing good baseball. Matt Olson's hopefully turning things around a little bit after his off day last week. Um, this is going to be a difficult series. Um, but the Mets have never been in a situation like this. Most of the guys on this on this roster haven't even sniffed the playoffs. Uh, Braves are still defending World Series champions. They know what it's like to, to be in these situations where they're playing from behind or maybe they're playing... Um, with everything to lose. And I, I think that the Braves are going to be benefactors for that experience, and I want to see what the Mets do when they actually are faced with a little bit of pressure. I don't think they've really been faced with all that much pressure this season um, outside of the looming threat of the Atlanta Braves coming in and uh, hot on their trail. And I think that matters to some extent, but I, it's just, they still got their work cut out for them. It's going to be a very tough weekend, and I'm going to be following most of these games on my phone because – we have a show tomorrow night at the same time as the game, and then uh, tonight I've got high school football, and then I, so I'm I'm a, I'm a nervous wreck just thinking about it. Um, but if they drop the first game of this series, you can pretty much kiss the division goodbye. Mm. What do you think, Max? Yeah, I mean it's playoff baseball uh, yeah. before playoff baseball, right? So I mean it's like <sighs> it it is a lot of pressure to put on that first game in the series too. But the, I like what Garrett said. Like if you get that first game suddenly that pressure kind of flips. And, yeah, they, they, they probably need a sweep. Um, two out of three is is not likely, but, I mean, it keeps you in it. Um, and, obviously, if you lose a series, get ready for the wild card game. Like, that's kind of it. And it's just horrible. I mean, this team could win 100 games and, and have to play its way into the playoffs entirely. Um, and I was I was pro, still am pro, uh, the, the playoff system. But, God, it's just like a... It's just a brutal, brutal thing to play 162 games, win 100 of them, and then have your season come down to one game. Well, it's, and, it's three games now. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. But even that, it's like, I don't know. It just feels like getting that by is monumental. And I don't know. I think I think Garrett was right about the, the, the Braves slumping, um, but I do think it's – it's almost like turning the page to a new season this weekend. And it's almost like you're starting the playoffs now. And and that oddly gives me some degree of comfort. Um, coming home, just start the playoffs right now. Let's go play one night at a time. And and I think you got to have faith in the Braves even sort of blindly after the last few years. And I think all it takes is to flip the switch and, and get hot again and they could make a run. I have, I have no doubt. Yeah, I, I think they can definitely do that this weekend. But, I mean, the importance of winning the division, not even just for bragging rights. I mean, bragging rights are fine. Um, and I'd love to have that over the Mets. Don't get me wrong. But the health of this team, they need some days off because they've been playing this sort of breakneck pace for three months now. And most of these guys, I mean, like you look at the top five, top 10 players in innings played, the majority of these players, if you look at the contenders, they're all Braves. All of them are Braves. And, you started to see that a little, like, reflect itself a little bit. Dansby Swanson's slumping a little bit. He's got an 85 WRC+. 
um, or something over the past month or so. Matt Olson's slumping, Austin Riley. And I think that some of that has to do with the fact that, that they've just played so many innings. And it happens. Like It's just like you get tired. Um, Spencer Strider has the oblique injuries. Max Free. I mean, like you you don't want your best pitchers pitching in this wildcard series and then immediately having to flip around. And, and then you're, what, starting Bryce Elder in game one or two of the NLDS against the Dodgers? No, no, thank you. I would very much prefer not to do that. And that is the situation that they're in right now. You have to win the division because you need those four or five days because that's enough time to get Spencer Strider back and healthy. You can give him one spot start against the against the Marlins at the end of the season. Lock it all down. Um, see what he can do. Get him like four innings and then get him out of there. And and then that is so important because then he gets a four, four or five days to rest and then he gets right back into his normal rotation. You can throw him out, throw him in against probably the St. Louis Cardinals. And I, I think that matters a great deal. And so it's less important for the Mets because I hate the Mets and I want them to lose. But <laughs> no, look, but it's 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 critically important for the Braves, in my opinion, because this team just needs to get healthy and it needs to get right. Um, and it's just a tough get right game against the San Diego Padres, who it's that's what it's looking like. And the Padres are a really damn good team. Like, Juan Soto hasn't played nearly as well as advertised, but he's still Juan Soto. And he still turned on what he did. What was that, back in 2017 when they went and won the World Series? He's no, fully capable of turning into Ted Williams for a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's And I, I don't want to be the, ver- the... The, the victim of that. Yeah, I'm not worried. Uh, about that part of it i just you're asking a lot of this team to do in success and uh, to to do in succession which is the run that they had last year where they were not the best team in baseball but it doesn't matter um come november but it's just to beat uh the padres and then beat the dodgers and then beat the cardinals and then beat the astros or yankees it's just it's not realistic i'm just not there so you need the buy you need to limit the damage and how much you have to go through to get back to where you want to be. And I think this weekend series is huge. Uh, the walk-off against Washington was brutal on uh, Wednesday night. That w- that felt like a nail in the coffin type thing for me, where <laughs> now you're putting so much pressure and the Mets are calling up their top prospect for this weekend, which I very much love. Like, that's a cool thing uh, mm-hmm. uh, for this weekend. Just another wrinkle to this rivalry, and we'll see what happens there. But... I don't know. I mean, Michael Harris, he started at number nine, and he's just one of the Braves' most important hitters right now. They got him uh, in the four spot, and yeah. I love that. I mean, it's crazy, though, that we're that. here. Like, it is uh, – yeah, but if Austin Riley's hitting like this going into the postseason, it's not – they don't really have a chance anyway. Like, he if, has to figure it out. If you don't have Austin Riley, Matt Olson, or uh, Dansby Swanson hitting mm-hmm. where they need to be hitting, then – <laughs> you're tough but it's almost like it's almost you're like not gonna you, get you're not you're you have no chance against you need like those things game. to happen in order to get in mm. and you need those things like it, it's it's like you know if they don't happen you don't get in and if they like and if if you don't get it like obviously like you need them to get hot in order to make a run right sure. but you also need to get hot to get in so yeah well, either those things looking, will happen or they the, won't this is also the best team in baseball since the all-star break so we're I mean, like we I, so i'm not going to point to to that Nationals game necessarily for the reason that they may not win this division. I'm going to point to the fact that they were ten and a half games back on June 1st. The, 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 the thing is, this is the same conversation that we had about the Atlanta Hawks this year. Not that they played lackadaisical basketball or baseball in this case uh, at the first part of the season. There was a serious hangover 
from the World Series last year. And mm. there is no reason that they were 10 games below 500 and 10 and a half games, upwards of 10 and a half, 12, 13 games back in the National League East. And now that they're like, oh yeah, let's just go win the division. Just the fact that they're even in position right now is just credit to how hot this team has been. And I mean, most some fans, like Mets fans on Twitter, will point to the fact that they just played bad baseball teams. Well, no, you don't play bad baseball teams over the course of a 162-game season and win 100 baseball games. Like, you don't do that. That's just not what it is. Like, this is a really good team, and this is a really hot baseball team. You just, they're paying for their, uh, they're, they're just reaping what they sowed back in April. Is Michael Harris from Atlanta? Yes. So we're going to, we're saying Stockbridge is Atlanta? Okay. That was just a, a, a broader question. I saw a, Anscape uh, by Clinton Yates wrote a piece on Michael Harris uh, today and uh, referred to Stockbridge as Atlanta. And I was like, hmm. Metro Atlanta. It's all Atlanta. Like, I'm not from sort Atlanta. Of. I'm from Stone Mountain. Metro He's from Atlanta. Stockbridge. Metro Atlanta. I feel like I'm Atlanta. closer, so that means I'm Atlanta if he's Stockbridge. Because Stockbridge is a little bit of a drive to downtown Atlanta. It's a little bit These of a Metro way. kids, Max. What are we talking about here? Hold on. I was going to say, like, y'all really are from Atlanta. OTP, folks. Yeah, I, I'm Literally OTP. Atlanta. See, that's <laughs> Literally some... Atlanta. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even count, like, Roswell as Atlanta. Roswell, I would agree. Atlanta. Roswell's OTP. OTP yeah. is not Atlanta technically. So Atlanta proper. Yeah. But... He's brave, but I'm like a, I'm like a snob about that. So oh no, I'm a massive snob. I'm a snob too, as an OTP guy. Where I remember, I respect that. I if I, I do hear people, that. Say, you don't see that very often. No, you're from Roswell. You're not from Atlanta. <laughs> like you're from Milton. You're not from Atlanta. You're from Forsyth. Not Atlanta. My favorite Atlanta. was getting corrected when I when I went to college. People would correct me when I told them I was from Atlanta. They're like, "Where are you really from?" And I'm like, "I'm from Atlanta." Yeah, <laughs> like literally ITP. Four hundred four, the area code. <laughs> What are we well, doing? Max is like, yeah, y'all are right in there, Matt. Pide- there's nothing more Atlanta than Padea. Like, Padea is just... Right on, right on Ponce. Yeah, there's nothing. Just, there's no... That's Atlanta. That's no question. What are they, the Pythons? Did you reveal that a couple weeks ago? Paladins? <laughs> yeah, Pythons. No, See, no, I thought no, they were no, Paladins, too. Paladins. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds Paladin. It's a kind of... As, like, as a non-secular school, uh, Paladins was not on the table. <laughs> if, you don't know, if you don't know what a Paladin is, look it up. <laughs> Didn't really work. Uh, pythons, though. Secular friendly. Um, one thing before we go real quick, the closing five on opening night for the Hawks will be who Max, the closing five on opening night for the Hawks will be, uh, Trey young, Mm -hmm. DeJounte Murray, Deandre Hunter. If he's healthy, John Collins, Clint Capella. Okay. Is that like the same side? That's that's the five. Interesting. Okay. What do you think? Garrett? Ah, what's the situation? <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, what he said. I, I can't, I can't disagree. That's going to be the starting five. I don't really know. I, I don't really he know. Closes that way. I don't know. Really, I don't really know where. I mean, you could maybe make the case that you can make <clears throat> you can make the case that Collins isn't in it. Yeah, that's where. That's the only one that I was going to say. And you slide on to the four. Trey has to be playing. And Bogey at the at the three. If you're trying to go small. But like I don't, I don't see that. That's really small. The best lineup, I think, and I'm putting this on the record on September 30th. I think the best record or the best plus minus with any five man unit is Trey, Dejounte, Bogey, Hunter, and Collins. And I will not be surprised if that's Kaminsky? what they close. Who who is that lineup guarding? It doesn't matter. I don't know how you. Stop I mean, it, it does matter. No, 
It, it you does have Deshante, matter. you have DeAndre Hunter, and you have Collins. You'll see what happens. I don't want to see that that lineup <laughs> try to guard anybody. I mean, that is the disaster. I think Bogey is going to enter. Uh, can't really guard anybody territory this year, and I'm mm. a little worried about that. Bogey. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go from you go from can't stay healthy territory to can't guard anybody territory. Do you know they hope? Do you know who they uh, open with? Miami. Milwaukee. Cool. Oh, never mind. That's the preseason. Uh, okay. First oh, regular oh, season oh, game. Crap. Yeah, sorry. That's preseason. <laughs> At least we'll uh, be first, on television. <laughs> first regular season is Houston. Yeah, it is Houston, and then it's, and right. then it's Orlando. Like that's... Let's, ease, let's ease into things. Capella's not start. You don't need to play Capella against uh, Houston late. Houston might be going to tell you. at the five. He's going, he's going to be. I don't think so. Y'all ready for NBA action? I am so excited. I am very excited. I'm, I'm, I'm so honestly excited not. I'm honestly not ready. I'm not I'm ready. ready. I'm not ready. It's football season. I'm not even remotely ready. I... So my other my co co host Adobe the Millennials he's our uh, reporter like our reporter for the uh, for the Atlanta Hawks he was over at the Hawks media day I didn't even know it was happening and he's just tweeting about it I'm like oh god it's bad <laughs> like this is here like uh, I'm still I'm still in baseball mode and football is already like just overwhelmed did, my life did we like, read the Schultz ridiculous. article about Trey and McMillan no read it. Good or bad? Read it. It's interesting. They admitted they admitted that they had some communication issues last year, and McMillan went shocking. out and visited him in the off season, and they spent two days together. I'll read Wait, it. It was it? interesting. Schultz. I mean, great. Nate's not keeping this job for the full year. Like it's <laughs> well, this, no, this but is Nate, all great. Chill. Nate, they kind of <laughs> they, they kind of came to the consensus that Trey needs to be more of a communicator, more of a leader, and like. I kind of agree. Your best I hope player so if he's being paid $37 million. How many coaches have had that conversation with James Harden, uh, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant? I don't uh, think Trey Young is James Harden or Ben Simmons, though. Like, his I personality think... is not like that. He's just kind of quiet. Trey's not a leader. That's not his M.O. You know who's a leader? John DeJounte Collins. Murray. Oh. Mm. Mm. John Collins. I was going to say, it's, it's John Collins is the leader of this team. Maybe Anyaka Nkongwa, we don't know enough about him. I hope he is. I hope he has that in him. Trey's not Are we ever going to see that next step for Nyeko Kongu? I heard he was hitting, he was just, just dumping threes in the practice. The answer is yes. Well, Capella's also, I'll tell you, Garrett, as someone who's end. watched a lot of practice NBA players, bigs especially, <laughs> shoot threes wide open. It's unbelievable how good they oh, really are. Oh, no, I've seen that. They're I've seen sinking them. The um, like Dwight Howard, I remember no, watching Deon- one time. No, Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond yeah. got called out by a kid at a camp or something, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you can't shoot threes. It's a whatever. And then he just goes out there and just goes, bang, 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 three-pointers. And he's like, no, it's not that a, a, like shooting a three-pointer in an NBA game is completely different. Yes. It's completely They can all shoot threes. They, they can all they, shoot. They can shoot everything. They're mm-hmm. not human. They're freaks. I fully, I fully believe that the an NBA player is more freakish than any other sport. Period. Yeah. You put Steph Curry next to Miles Garrett, and they're the same size. You seen well, that picture? I don't know. I, that's what. Uh, I, I, no, like height there. wise, they're the same height. They're, they're not, not the like, same not size thick, though. Not like arm wise, but it's Miles like Garrett they're looks the same. Like, no, hold on. No, Miles Steph Garrett Curry. is like. This is a take right here. Steph Curry. Next to Do you want me to just edit this part out, Garrett? This is a that is one of the weirder things I've ever heard. Steph Curry and Miles. They're the exact same height. They're the exact same height. Height, height, height. I'm talking way like 120 pounds. He's like a small fry. Like he is, he is like a he's a small end. 
That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And Miles Garrett's a freak. And also, let me be football. clear. I'm not criticizing Trey with the leadership stuff. Um, I don't. <laughs> Back like, to the actual point. Sorry. <laughs> well, I don't. I'm not taking a shot at him for that. Like Trey is who he is. I think at this point, it's the same thing with him being off ball. I don't. I talked see, about that in the article too. By the way. Yeah, and it's great. You can talk about this in the off season. Like it's so much easier when Trey is just hanging out in Oklahoma and just uh, living but his like best the- life. The options are like they talk about it and it's a thing, or they don't talk about it and it's not a thing. And the better of those two options is that they talk about it and at least say they're going to do it. Yeah, I just have so, like, like it doesn't mean a lot, but it doubts, means something. I should say like I just don't think that's who Trey is, and that's why I've always been so fearful of moving John. Is just John is that dude. John is the linchpin, I think, of keeping them competitive and just you want him in the in a playoff series like going to war i think he was a big big part of their run and uh i mean not just because of the poster on Embiid and everything i just i i I think you i don't know i i will not be i will be surprised if capella ultimately is the closing five and they go big like with collins and capella late um but i also am just so fascinated to see trey off ball and how much i'd like Film work. I'm just going to be following a red line of Trey's body language when he's trailing on the on the side and seeing what he uh, what he's doing uh, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands for a stretch of possessions. It's it's going to be fascinating. I'm hoping it great things. I just think people who pencil it in are like, all right, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Garrett Chapman, W Millennials this weekend, college football game time, all kinds of stuff. You're High school you scoreboard have, show tonight. Falcons yeah. fly over tomorrow. There you go. Max Markovich, anything new with you? This this photo of Steph Curry and Miles Garrett <laughs> is is so distorted that it drives me nuts. That is that is the worst thing. Whatever. Uh, yeah, Michigan-Iowa, uh, J.J. McCarthy's coming out party. Uh, Michigan Over under 20. 45 points. Under. Probably under, but Iowa can't. Like, that's because Iowa cannot. I was one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. Oh, in my I, oh life. yeah, no, it's terrible. Their defense Over, is spectacular. I think I think I think we win like twenty four to ten. Ooh. I think it's like seventeen. I'd say 20. like twenty. I was got like a forty percent chance of winning this game. I think I won this game. Don't even don't even don't oh, Max is gonna not look this. good against Maryland. No, no come and you're on the road on. in and Iowa. End this podcast. Well that's end what happens podcast. when you play UConn and then you go on the road to play end Hawaii and take your vacation. Not whoa, everyone can whoa, be whoa, the Tennessee Vols. The Hawaii game was at home. Um, <laughs> let's correct the record. Was it UConn on the road, though? A true UConn road was test. also at home. <laughs> Last I saw UMass? UConn, they were trying Colorado out Colorado State, tackle. also at home. Is this college football or is it in the Big Yes, it's in Iowa. It's in Iowa. Ooh. The college football playoff era. Yeah, it's in Kinnick, whatever. I'm not worried. Ooh. I'm not okay. nervous. You're nervous. He's so full of it, Garrett. This man has—he's already I, ready. Yeah. He's so angry about. Cade it. I'm not, I'm not scared. You're though. scared. Cade McNamara is hurt. Mm-hmm. Don't give me that. He's out. JJ McCarthy done. JJ. Can JJ. Blake Corum just run for 400 plus yards in two weeks? Probably. Probably. Okay. He's like the best college running back in college football. Mm. I care more about the our 27 year old uh, Heisman candidate quarterback. Hendon Hooker, who gets better every week. 46 TDs, two picks. Future Atlanta Falcon, Hendon Hooker. No, but that'd be awesome. No, who I want on the Falcons is Cedric Tillman. Let's just, he's big, long. It's a very Arthur Smith type guy. Just keep drafting. Uh, Braylon Edwards ain't the guy, so we'll see. 
Braylon Edwards. That's the name I've not heard in a long time. Uh, for that guy up there in Atlanta, Georgia. For that other guy up there in Atlanta, Georgia, Max Markovich. For myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all we've got here on the Atlanta Sports Guys. We'll be back next week, hopefully with a 500 Atlanta Falcons and a Braves team that won the NL East. But we shall see. Max, Garrett, I will talk to you all next week. All right, hello, and welcome back to Go Big Orange Friday here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Also here with me in Knoxville, Tennessee, that guy, my good friend over there in another part unknown in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, no. Ethan Stone, <laughs> started down south. Powell. Okay, he is in Powell. I thought you were in Powell, but I wasn't 100% certain. I was like hesitating. I was like, he moved recently and I didn't know how close he moved. <laughs> yeah. And I had to think about it for a second. But hey, Ethan, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm coming to you live from uh, from Powell, Tennessee. Beautiful, uh, kind of North Knoxville ish in that area. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm doing I'm doing great. <laughs> there you doing go. Fantastic. Um, hey man, Powell, we're we're pro Powell on this podcast. They have a, a great yeah. Kroger in Powell. Uh, they have a Buffalo Wild Wings that's always bumping. Like for whatever there's, reason, there's about I'd say ten Weigels as well. Mm-hmm can't can't go wrong with that <laughs> i uh they closed my favorite restaurant though in powell uh the front porch was this southern style cooking over there like oh my on gosh the they closed that you know what i'm talking about yes they closed <laughs> i had no idea i've i love that place too that's incredible it's so what? good and it's oh i think in the past like their steak tips oh my god like that place was top notch i'm legitimately huh? sad i did not know yeah. that i'm hearing this for the first time that's so sad it's even worse because we we drove up. My dad was up uh, one weekend, and that was like our thing. He was like, we were like, yeah, we'll just meet halfway at, at Powell because he's uh they have a farm in Oak Ridge now, and it was <laughs> it was it was just uh, heartbreaking to pull up. I was like, this is weird. Friday night, there's no cars in the in the crazy <laughs> gravel lot over there. This is a bad yeah. sign. Um, and then it was like they closed like that day before um but yeah it was like a family reason or something i don't know they never really yeah that's terrible bring it back someone's got to step up here let's get some good news going here i know (laughs) Uh, it was uh it was rough i'm glad you liked it too because i feel like no i I, I would talk to people about it they're like i have no idea what you're talking about i'm like you're the problem you're why this doesn't exist anymore (laughs) it was so good Oh my God. I love good Southern, uh, homestyle cooking, but yeah. Uh, also Oak Ridge at Powell tonight. Um, oh, really? yeah. Okay. Are you tailgating or what's your, like, uh, how's the rest of your afternoon looking? Is traffic already starting to back up a little bit, Ethan? Uh, no, not, not particularly. I, I don't mm. know. I can look out. Everybody's right over there. So I can mm. look out and monitor the situation over here, but well, you're in my stomping grounds. Like I do a lot of my work. If you see me out in the wild, I'm either on campus <laughs> or I'm at Mahalo. Like are, those okay. are basically the two places I'm usually at. Um, but not as many places anymore because I broke my foot, uh, two mm. weeks ago now. So, uh, just hopping around, uh, Dane, uh, Googling if I'm going to get DVT multiple times a day based on how much I move my foot. Um, so that's been fun, uh, as a, uh, long time hypochondriac. It's been, it's been a wild ride, Ethan. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I've never broken a bone, never broken a bone. Have you? That's, I have not. I have like 
slightly fractured my heel when I was like oh. five years old. I don't count that. That sounds <laughs> so, awful. I didn't know you could do that. I I jumped into a swimming pool that was two feet deep, and I thought it was five feet deep. Now, keep in mind, I was five years old, so uh-huh. like you know, I was a little idiot, but <laughs> jumped right in, and it fractured my heel. That's that's the closest I've gotten to breaking a bone. Oh, that's rough, man. Um, but you know what's <laughs> not rough? The Tennessee Volunteers being 4-0 and through September. Um, Ethan, one of us on this podcast said 10-2. and One of us between you, Ryan, and myself was like, I only see like the breakthrough, the 10-2 and type season, or things go to hell, injuries pile up, and this team goes back a little bit and fan base gets uh, panicky at 6-6 and or 7-5. and they're on their way to 10 and two, Ethan. And I said, I just, it always happens faster than you would think in year two for a lot of these coaches. Now Lane Kiffin wins 10 games in year two at Ole Miss. You just, I, I remember I was doing some deep dives into just different programs around the country and like what year two looked like the last couple of years. And it's just always a bigger jump than you think. And in, basically, you know, if a coach is going to work now with the portal and everything else by year two. And they got through Florida, they get through Pitt, and you know what's funny? Going into this bye and next week and uh, Tillman getting the Tua surgery uh, on his ankle this week, um, and also prayers and uh, shout out to Tua, who should not have been playing football last night. That was terrifying. That was um, genuinely terrifying. But awful, going. awful. And also, Amazon, don't replay it. Like, that was insane. They kept showing that it was an absolute was- dumpster fire over and over and over again like goodness gracious find something else there's there's something else you can be filming film someone in the stands for heaven's sake we just don't need to see it we saw it once it was rough man just stop showing that stuff um but yeah i mean they're i I don't feel good about lsu next week it's so funny because i was like i i want it to be undefeated against alabama so bad like 5-0 5-0 and Tennessee, um, I guess Alabama will be 6-0 and in there because I don't think they have a bye before the Tennessee game. I think uh, mm. their bye is later. So there's a potential. They have to get their Arkansas this week, um, and then I'm not sure who's on the counter next week. I think it's another tough game. I feel like Alabama's in a tough part of their schedule right now. Um, um, but it's always better to bet on Alabama being undefeated than not being undefeated mm-hmm. in a big game, and that would be awesome. Like the biggest Alabama-Tennessee game in a really, really long time. But I don't feel as great about LSU, and we'll get to LSU in a second. But now that you've had just about a week uh, to think about the Florida game, Ethan, uh, what what did you make of it, and did it go about as you expected? It did. It, it went about as I expected. I I mean, I fully expected. I feel like like everyone else in Knoxville for Florida to come back after that onside kick. I mean, thank God you cannot move like. It, move a uh i'm losing the word here but you can't advance Extend it outside yeah. kick mm. because if you could florida would have won that game but uh, i don't know that didn't happen getting away from mm. doom and gloom. i was i was really 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 impressed with the wide receivers who stepped up mm. ramel keaton had obviously probably the greatest catch since marquez north a while ago uh, in the tennessee uniform um i mean Jalen hyatt stepped up all these guys stepped up for cedric tildman as you mentioned he's out with that injury if those guys don't step up, Hooker doesn't have anyone to throw the ball to. Uh, I feel like that offense just kind of sputters. Even mm. even if I wrote a, a a piece a little bit ago for SDS 
on how well I feel like Tennessee will run the ball against Florida just because of Hooker's ability kind of to get out and his, his dual threat thing. He hasn't really done too much this season on that. So to see him have a lot of success in the ground and have a lot of success through the air and obviously just the receivers that were there to help him, that, that's two big things that I had question marks going into the weekend that they kind of fulfilled in that, in that aspect. And so to see that, uh, to see those question marks answered for me, that's, that's the thing I took from it most is you've got the guys that can step up when they're asked to, and, and hooker is looking even better on the ground than he did last season uh, against a, a Florida defense that was weakened and that you should have been able to take advantage of, uh, especially considering Ventrell Miller was, he was playing, but he wasn't hundred percent. I think I, I think I read somewhere that he actually still had a broken bone in his foot while he was playing. Which Same. Is I was also with a broken bone at Neyland. <laughs> so we're one in the same. Me and Ventrell. We we, yeah. uh, we we are built for this, as Ryan said in the group chat. Gritty performance by me exactly. to make the appearance. A hundred percent. But uh, that I mean that should that should calm the nerves, I feel like, of just about every Tennessee fan saying, seeing that Cedric Tillman is going to be out likely until Alabama. And I would bet after Alabama, um, they're saying they're hopeful that he'll come back. I, I mm-hmm. doubt it personally. But that, that, should, that should be a sight for sore eyes that you've got guys that can still make plays, can still move the ball efficiently, uh, you know, like they're supposed to. And obviously we'll see this week and if that can carry over, if that wasn't just kind of Florida getting deer in the headlights uh, at Neyland with the, you know, 100,000 raucous fans there. LSU, despite it being at 11 a.m. their time, I feel like there's going to be a pretty decent amount of fans there, too, that are looking for an upset because, you know, Brian Kelly and and LSU, they kind of struggled, I guess, against Florida State at the beginning of the year, but they've looked solid since then. So I think it's going to be a real test for Tennessee. I I think the Vols will come out on top, but ultimately, uh, I think what you said earlier about it being kind of scary is is absolutely correct. this This is a game that I feel like Tennessee fans are overlooking but LSU could absolutely get something done in Death Valley. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, LSU, they're sneakily uh, just been really awesome offensively. Like, I think a lot of people's just last memory of LSU to this point was the FSU game and how much it of was. a disaster that was. But it's like they've quietly just calmed down and figured it out. Um, Jaden Daniels has really settled in as their QB1, I think. I'm about to see. All right. I sneezed. Yeah. LSU is number five in the SEC right now in scoring just behind Mississippi, Georgia and Alabama. Um, They're averaging 39 a game. But you look at it. um, They've they've been solid um, to this point. And really, uh, I'm about to sneeze again. I apologize. Here we go. Nope. Okay, we're good. Made it work. Um, There we go. Wow. I that uh, that was fun. What are you? So, what was the biggest surprise for you uh, on Saturday in Neyland? What was uh, from the Tennessee standpoint? What did you think going in that did not end up being the thing? Hmm, that's a tough one. I mean, I hate to I hate to keep going receivers, but hmm. Ramel Keaton, he was he was the surprise. I I I even wrote about that. I believe after the game is, um, I mean, I, I'll talk about it a little different than I did earlier. Ramel Keaton being able to step up. And, and do what he did, that really impressed me. Because if he doesn't, Tennessee doesn't win that game because the end of the first half does not happen without Ramel Keaton. I mean, he had that big that big catch that everyone's going to mm. remember. He also had a couple more that moved the chains. Uh, I, I believe it was Brew McCoy that ended up in the end zone, you know, when when the final bell had, um, had yeah. sounded. But, <laughs> I mean, if Ramel Keaton isn't, isn't doing his thing, uh, Tennessee doesn't move the ball as well as they did. Another person I was really surprised, not surprised with, but – I guess good to see is Byron Young because another mm. thing that 
people aren't talking about very much is that last play. If Anthony Richardson had had time to step into his throw, you never know what could have happened there. I mean, it was just like a 30-yard pass. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't exactly a Hail Mary at this point. And if Byron Young isn't pressuring him, isn't kind of messing with him, you know, messing up that throw, yeah, you just never know what could have happened. He played well the entire game. I'm not sure any stand out other than that one. But those two, I feel like, are the biggest that stood out to me. And I think what will be a welcome addition uh, in Baton Rouge is that, and I mean, welcome in a different sense, is that Anthony Richardson, Tennessee got home a lot. And being there in person and being close, like you just see so many plays where he should have gone down. Like most quarterbacks go down. Um, Byron Young, you mentioned Joshua Joseph's got home a couple times, who I think should start playing a lot more. Um, Tyree West was really good in this game too. So um, that was like one of my things is that I think in any in a normal circumstance, a lot of those uh, Gator fourth down conversions or third down conversions don't happen uh, with a average size quarterback because Richardson testament to him is just uh, gigantic and just a really, really hard quarterback to bring down. Um, so I think Tennessee would have had several more sacks with the average guy. And I think Jane Daniels is not pulling that off. So if Byron Young gets home, he's going down. Uh, but that being said, we have seen these kind of quarterbacks uh, just frustrate uh, Tim Banks uh, last year with, I mean, Emory Jones being a good example, Matt Corral and Jane Daniels, I don't think is, uh, I mean, he's definitely on the Emory Jones level, uh, probably, definitely not the Matt Corral level though, but I think that's interesting if that's cleaned up because we haven't seen Tennessee deal with that yet. Uh, Akron had a quarterback who did that a little bit with the irons, but it's a little bit different when it's Akron versus um LSU so I'm I'm curious to see if that is cleaned up or if those same issues pop back up of the third and long or fourth and long and Jane Daniels just scampers away because uh, Tennessee can't get home and they just can't stop quarterback uh, keepers on uh, critical downs yeah uh, that that's actually another thing probably you could take away exactly is last season Tennessee could not keep the quarterback in the pocket Against Anthony Richardson, who, I mean, he can't really throw the ball. He's, he's mm-hmm. not a threat for the air. He's only a threat with his legs. And Tennessee did a fine job keeping him mm-hmm. mostly in check. I mean, better than I feel like any other team has, at least on par with what every other team has been able to. Because, I mean, he's a guy that I feel like you can only kind of hope to contain because he's built like a tank. And, mm-hmm. you know, see to be able to contain him the way they did, that's nice to see. Now, Jaden Daniels, on, on the flip side of things, he's not Anthony Richardson by any means. But uh, – He's kind of gotten away from it as of late, but against Florida State, he was – I mean, he didn't even think to drop back to pass sometimes. <laughs> he'd be mm. – he'd drop back, he'd see – he'd read like two things and be like, I- I'm not bothering. I'm just going to run because I know I'm fast. He, pr- he probably did that 10 times that I counted. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's done that as much lately. I think coaches have been like, hey, dude, like you're a quarterback. At some point, you have to throw the ball. Like go through your progressions. Let's actually ru- Let's actually throw the ball here. And I feel like he's kind of chilled out a little bit. Maybe it could have just been Florida State's defense kind of honing in on him. But that, that's going to be interesting to see. If they're getting to him too much, it might freak him out a little bit. It, it might freak Daniels out a little bit enough to where he's going to start scampering more. And that will be another test. Maybe not as much as Richardson, but it was still on the same level where you're like, hey, Tennessee, this is a guy that can beat you with his legs. He hasn't that much recently to other teams, but he definitely can. So don't allow him to do it. Don't allow him to kind of get into a groove, I guess, in that aspect. Put a little bit of pressure on your defensive back setting into Alabama because, I mean, that's another story right there. The secondary, 
made Anthony Richardson, even though he only completed like 50% of his passes, made Anthony Richardson look like a competent passing quarterback. And that is not a good thing. Yes. And it's funny because I, um, uh, my wife was getting Petros at the moment uh, when this happened and always a good decision. And there was two Florida fans uh, next to us, super nice guys, uh, older gentlemen who were, uh, uh, cause I'm on the corner with my broken foot. So I got to have the edge and uh, separate a little bit, but um, Kamal hadn't got banged up on a play. And you, you probably remember where I'm going with this. Brandon Turnage goes in and I real, and I look and I'm just like every play, I'm just looking to see who's where and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I see Turnage and I'm like, uh, and I turn to the, um, the Florida fan, and I was like, I guarantee they target Turner's here. I guarantee <laughs> they just Richardson just saw that Turner's is on the field. Um, and they targeted him 37 yard, uh, just yeah. cre- just burnt uh, Turner's. <laughs> and that was the last time we saw a Brandon Turner's for the remainder of the yeah. game. They don't have any options though. I mean, D Williams, okay. uh, you made the joke about like if we ever see Juwan Mitchell, well, we've seen him, he's been okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure he's been better than Aaron Beasley, and I might want to go back to Beasley to this point. Um, no. <laughs> but D. Williams not playing. Um, Tamari McDonald was bad in this game. I think mm. this uh, the kind of scary part is like Jalen McCullough and Trey Flowers were also not good. And um, those are your two veterans that you're just counting on to be solid. Like those two have to be solid at the bare minimum. I don't know. I think two things can be true. The secondary can be cooked this year where people are like, oh, it's going to come back to bite them. I will say the pass rush is legit. And I think people need to understand that like, that's going to clear up a lot of these issues in the back end because Byron Young has been a star. Tyler Barron's been good. But you look at the interior and how many different dudes Rodney Gardner's playing right now. I think Joshua Josephs is going to continue to become more and more of a star. I think you're going to see the pass rush continue to get better and better and that's the difference last year they had no pass rush and the secondary was having to do a lot um in the back end i think if it's a little bit weaker and more limited this year i think the pass rush will be something that people need to focus on because i think that's real and that's coming i think tennessee is going to have a especially when you look at this class and chindavion bradley and company coming in I think Gardner's doing really, really undervalued work that will help uh, the back end uh, for the remainder of this year. What do you think? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Kamal Haddon has been probably – he didn't play very well against Florida, but he's been the one that before Florida was the most consistent. Kamal mm-hmm. Haddon. Uh, Flowers had played okay, I guess. Outside of that, Warren Burrell has played not great. Jalen McCullough – Jalen, yeah, Jalen McCullough has just been kind of there, I feel mm-hmm. like. I mean, we could keep listing guys. Tamari McDonald has played well this season. I feel like that's a bit of a surprise. Mm. But there's no one that has been all four games has been there. And that's worrying. So, uh, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The difference between last year and this year, last year's secondary was terrible as well. But last Mm. year's pass rush was not what it is this season. I mean, the pit game, Tennessee doesn't win that game if their pass rush isn't all over the quarterback. I mean, whether it be Slovis in the first half or I don't even remember the name of the guy in the second half. He was so terrible. But Putty? for their team, yeah. I, I can't remember either. But for the pass Patty? rush to be there often and to be there, you know, just getting getting in the grill of the quarterback and to be messing them up, kind of ease that on the secondary, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, moving forward against better offensive lines, we'll kind of see how that works out. Pitt had a really good offensive line. 
And Rodney Gunner's group was able to kind of mess them up a bit. And I mean, like I said just a second ago, that's why they won the game. So uh, I feel like the secondary will get better as the season progresses. They always do, but it'll be kind of in a line with everybody else. I mean, everyone else is going to get better as well. So Tennessee's kind of going to stay on this level. I feel like unless someone just figures it out or unless D. Williams or Andre Turrentine out of nowhere just becomes, you know, him. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, that's really all we're talking about here. And it's not like that's going to happen. So, I mean, what, what Tennessee has right now is kind of what they're set with. And they just kind of have to hope that that consistency from Haddon and McDonald and sometimes Flowers will be able to kind of carry him to the end of the year until we can get more guys in there. Um, last thing as we wrap up here, what does the schedule look like for you now? I think LSU decides whether or not it's 10 and 2 or, or 9 and 3 for me. Um, what does it look like for you the rest of the way? I think they beat LSU. I think the biggest problem remaining, I mean, everyone's chalking up Alabama and Georgia's a loss. To be totally honest with you, if Tennessee's going to beat Alabama anytime soon, it's going to be this season, but I won't go into that too much. I mm. think the loss on the schedule that isn't Georgia or Alabama is probably Kentucky. I know people hate hearing that, but I don't think the Wildcats are good also. Let me just preface that. I do think the Wildcats are very, very angry and very sick of getting beaten because, like, I, I made a joke about this earlier, I feel like, before the Florida game. Florida is to Tennessee what K Tennessee is to Kentucky. Like, Florida hmm. just wins those games usually. Tennessee just wins those games. It's just kind of how it was. I, there was a streak of, like, 27 years or something like that mm -hmm. that Kentucky didn't win a football game against Tennessee. I feel like... Kentucky is just going to come in like, hey, we're a decent football team this year. You guys are a really good football team this year. The intensity is going to be up to a 12. I'm not necessarily saying the Vols are going to lose. That is definitely one to circle, though. I feel like people have just kind of overridden the fact that uh, Tennessee is going to come in and just beat the brakes off of Kentucky. And I just don't think that's going to be the case this season. I think it'll be close. Ah. I think I still want to leave 10 and two right now, to be honest with you. I still think Tennessee will probably beat Kentucky. I think they're going to beat LSU. I really think there's a chance they could beat Alabama. I, I mean, Alabama's secondary is not good. <laughs> they're just not good. It's, it's a, a weakness that is a little weird, a little surprising on a Nick Saban led team, but that secondary is the chink in the armor this season. I mean, among an Alabama team that otherwise is pretty much flawless, I will admit. I still think Alabama wins just for that fact because they just have more experience. They have more guys. Tennessee could absolutely mess with them, though. It could be a high-scoring game that, you know, comes down to the wire a little bit, especially being in Knoxville. I mean, Tennessee took them to the fourth quarter in Tuscaloosa exactly. last year. Um, exactly. I It is funny, before the year, if you had told me I would feel better about Tennessee-Alabama than Tennessee-Georgia, yeah. I, I would not have believed you, but that's definitely where I'm at where I flipped a little bit where everyone was like kind of picking Tennessee over Georgia in the preseason like uh, your co-worker Connor O'Gara on uh, Paul Feinbaum mm -hmm. saying uh, he has Tennessee over Georgia and yep. uh, I, I flipped I was on that boat uh, before the year but I'm 1000% with you that I would gun to my head have to say Tennessee Bama feels more likely of a possibility which is wild just but because Georgia just because you got to think, I mean, we're in Knoxville, that mm -hmm. plays to Tennessee's favor, obviously. The secondary for Alabama is as low as it's been in a pretty decent while. Mm -hmm. um, 
Tennessee's defense legitimately looks decent this year. If they could get to Bryce Young, kind of mess it up a little bit. The receivers aren't their best, I feel like. I mean, they're not bad by any means, but they're not, you know, as tip-top shape as Alabama receivers usually are. I don't know. There's just, like I said a little bit ago, there's chinks in the armor. Not necessarily saying they're going to do it, but, I mean, I think you'd be crazy to say that Alabama is just going to wipe the floor with Tennessee like they have in the past this season. I, I, I think this is a different Tennessee unit, a different beast right now. They're feeling it, especially if they're undefeated going into Alabama. There, there, there's going to be definitely something you could put behind there. I agree. Uh, Ethan, what can the good folks look out for you from uh, Saturday Down South and the crew over there this week? Yeah, so I'm I'm on Saturday Down South tomorrow on the news desk. I'll be covering uh, all, I guess, five SEC games because South Carolina mm. and Florida games were moved. So I believe there's five SEC games tomorrow that um, we'll be keeping you up to coverage with our team uh, over there at Saturday Down South. And then I'll have, a, I believe, a column. Uh, I think Sunday is going to run this week. And then I'll have bowl projections that I do every week that will be going out on Monday for the SEC and the Big Ten. So keep an eye out for those. Awesome, awesome. Ethan, thank you so much for the time per usual and I will talk to you next week awesome, thank you nicely done nephew Chase Thomas Podcast hell yeah